Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Piron. Well, this is Mike Zamond, C-A-M-A-N, a name that may appear in the tiniest of credits on a on a television or a movie uh, screen. He and his creative team. Uh, one thing that he does as a visual artist is he creates special effects in, in all together do new and different ways. And that's the excitement you're going to hear in this conversation. But he also has his own artwork that he he's constantly working on, working with little clay figures and getting much more humanity out of these little lumps of clay than perhaps some of us offer in the world as humans. So the gifts of Michael Zaman are constantly growing and adding to the quality of our lives. This is a this is really an exciting moment for me. I, I love discovering people I've never met, yet I've heard about. And uh, I've heard about Mike Zaman who is, are you in London right now, Mike? Um, just outside of London, a small yeah. town called Andover. Uh, I'm just outside London too, in Connecticut, USA. So, you know. <laughs> I know nice. London is the center of the universe. So. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, the reason I know of Michael, Mike, is um, that Theo Ford Segler, who is my editor and friend and and very active in the Bowling Green State University doctoral program right now, said, you know, you really should meet my brother-in-law. He, he is a wizard. And so I said, oh, Hogwarts, right? <laughs> and Michael's ready to cut, do the cut signal and say, I'm not doing a podcast with this crazy old guy. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. I wish I was a wizard. <laughs> but uh, you are a wizard, and I hear, with your use of the visual arts, particularly in the area of digital visual arts. So tell me uh, about that first, and then we'll get into wh why that, instead of all the other things you could be doing with your life. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm what we call a visual effects supervisor. So I help make visual effects for all your favorite films, TV shows, video games, and all sorts, really. Um, and the only difference between me and a fine artist is my medium. The only difference is I use a computer as opposed to a pencil or a brush. Um, I love that. The, the skills are exactly the same for me. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, that's it. We're, we're all set. We know it. And that's the end of the podcast. No, I'm, oh man, I'm in a really <laughs> weird mood today. Uh, actually, uh, that is a key, key issue of all the ways you could express yourself artistically. You have um, made the medium, the context, technology, and specifically that which you can do on a computer. Uh, before you picked up a mouse and worked with a keyboard and all the other accoutrements. Uh, were there other ways you express yourself artistically? Absolutely. I started as a, a fine artist. So drawing, um, painting, sculpting, I, you know, I've done 
throughout my life, um, it's always been art and a little bit of technical as well. I, I love science, I love maths. Um, but yes, uh, my father is also an artist, so it was a bit natural. Um, but yeah, it was been a wonderful little outlet to have is drawing, sketching, any way to get an idea onto something. Um, what that something is, is, is kind of not the point. The something is just the vehicle for a thought, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thought becomes an object to uh, be witnessed, viewed, touched, and or otherwise used. But I think that that's a fascinating gap, like an arc. Uh, I assume that in a, in a more open freelance way, if you saw an interesting object, whatever it might be, mm. it would prompt a thought, which ultimately could be trans translated by you into something that could be shared back in the old days on paper and pencil or clay or other medium, but now digitally. Yeah, exactly. So whatever suits, I suppose it's or whatever's on hand, but yes, uh, <laughs> uh, it's just my preferred way. I love a good undo button. No, it, it took some adapting. I, 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 I'm 80 and I, was alive and doing a lot of things, which I presume your age was before there was even the hint of World Wide Web. And uh, may, maybe when I was just coming out of grad school around 74, 75. No, actually, no, I'm thinking, I don't think we had, we had something called ScholarNet, but we're talking a long time ago. And it was only linked, you know, university to university. And yeah. uh, so, I had, and I, I'm a creative guy in, in other medium, not necessarily artistically, but I'm a story, story maker and so forth. So I used to have to uh, take a lot of time to figure out how to share something. I mm -hmm. assume now, since I'm now living in the social media digital world with my podcast and our book on practice as a way of being, that it can be very quick between the moment when you have an object, a thought, an application, and zip, it's out in the world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, quite literally a button press, and it's out there for everyone to see, and it's pretty much there forever, which is also yes. interesting that, and slightly scary. That is a good point. There's no string on it. You can haul it back in once you realize you might have made a glitch but how do you feel i mean how do you feel about working at that speed with a chance that you will make mistakes or something oh. will have a glitch particularly okay. if you're doing visual work for a company <laughs> as a as a client is <laughs> yeah say wait mickey mouse has two ears and and two noses <laughs> <laughs> yes um well that's part of the pressure i suppose it it is a lot of pressure especially when it's not yours it's a client's work um i think you have to be far more focused and far more effortful in you know making sure you don't get lost because it's so easy to get lost as an artist as a creative person um it's too easy to get lost in our work and what it is we're trying to convey and sometimes you have to take a step back and go all right <laughs> i've got to put my analytical hat on for a minute and just check 
because it is somebody else's work in the end we're working to. We're, you know, we are a hive mind. We are working together, but in the end, you know, a client is a client. So it's a, uh, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of pressure when you are leading a team and you have to check everybody else's work as well. Um, mm. but sometimes it's also the fun things because happy accidents happen. Um, yeah. and I'm all yeah. about creating happy accidents and I- improving on what could be improved just through mistakes. Cause mistakes is how we also learn. Now, I, you know, when I, th- I think, um, in thinking of an, an analogy, uh, back in my restrained days when, uh, I had the medium seemed to be almost like a puddle of things that I could splash around it. And now with what I assume your technology is, is like an ocean of, oh, yeah. of, of possibilities and, and things that can happen. But the fact is that you can work wizardry, if you will, on, on a, <laughs> a, on a simple request, either a request you make of yourself. I'd love to do something really creative about my, uh, uh, my next door neighbor's dog, uh, or uh, you have a client who's doing a, a a big project and you have a critical piece. But either way, you, you've got so much latitude compared to what I remember as a as a creative person. How do you deal with all that wonder? <laughs> oh, we learn. We keep up. We have yeah. to keep up. The world is moving ever so fast, and it's only yeah. moving faster every day. But on the one hand, that's absolutely terrifying. The idea that I have to keep up, you know, um, with this ever-changing <laughs> world and this ever-changing experience, but also it's so many opportunities have changed even the course of my lifetime that it's only so exciting. There's no anything that was a limitation 10 years ago. Those limitations are evaporating and that's wonderful. You know, that experience of, Hey, you know, something I dreamed of doing was not possible or it would have cost me millions and millions of dollars. I can now do with a smartphone. It's uh, amazing. The difference. It is. So it's that absorption. It's that balance between (laughs) going to keep up, but also feel free to experiment. I, I wonder if it was when the cloud really kicked in about 10 years ago that then the application designers could uh, put together massive software programs that used to be impossible under the old server system. Do you think that might have been um, one of your moments of transformation when you had much more to more tools to work with more, yeah yeah i mean and to and to save your stuff because if you're creating these <laughs> huge document files you know in the old days i keep going back to the old day my computer would only store about five you know like uh little discs of work yeah. and then I, it was i was doomed unless i use the university system so uh give me give me a little feeling of the evolution of your access if you will to the wonders of the digital technology that's available today before and then when did it start getting better and how is it going now sure um i think you hit the nail on the head the progress of a computer from a little floppy disk that had like three megabytes or something you know nothing really a text document to today is incredible. Um, so I was very fortunate to have a computer at home for as long as I can remember. Um, and I had a game that like had seven of those little floppy disks and you had to change them all the time <laughs> to you know get to the next bit. Um, 
And then I have vague memories of getting the internet and that lovely, weird, weird dial-up tone that sticks in oh, my yes. memory forever. Sc- and a screech, the screech from Halloween. <laughs> yeah, the screech and the dog bark. Uh, you know, it's such oh, an but odd didn't sound. It, didn't it feel good when that would finally? St- catch and i'm on i'm on (laughs) i'm on and everything is at your oyster and at that time you know i'm still quite young um and even though you had to wait it was so exciting you know you could go anywhere you could interact with different games or different websites and you know it became a place where people shared the most random of thoughts and feelings and everything else yes and i think that's the catalyst really is that it's kind of like walking into a library for the first time and all of a sudden your little bookshelf is eclipsed by all this knowledge surrounded by you. Yeah. Um, and it, it grew from there, you know, the internet moving from that dial up all the way up to, you know, fast things where, Hey, you could listen to a song in four minutes if you waited. And now we can stream <laughs> millions of them at a push of a button. So I think that is part of the catalyst is the blessing I have been growing up when I am is that this media, everything is so much easier, more accessible to me. I can learn from everybody else the way that some people had to learn the hard way. They had to slog and really understand what they're doing. And I get to stand on the shoulders of giants almost. I get to learn from their mistakes. And um, yeah, I'm very blessed to have so much technology, which helps me learn much faster, much more easily than uh, those before me. There, um, it's always that in to the yang or the yang to yes. the in. And a yang in this thought is that since there are now many, 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 many more people who can do what you do and produce visual experiences for viewers, how do you work with being distinctive and standing out? And again, we're back to the ocean again. <laughs> you know, you've got a fin up above the sea, but that's about it. And, uh, yeah. and yet, yet uh, I heard good thoughts about how creative and, and uh, distinctive your work is. Oh, well, that's very kind. Um, it is difficult. And I think that it's to try new things. It's to practice and see what can I achieve and maybe put myself a little bit out of my comfort zone. I think Mm -hmm. it's too easy to practice and you start getting good at something and then you potentially focus too much on what you're good at and not necessarily pushing those boundaries because the only way to learn for me is to push myself further than I'm comfortable with and try something completely different. Um, So I tend to try and go away from what I would call my natural style, which is slightly more realistic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I found myself wanting to push in different directions because I was getting frustrated. I wasn't growing so much. Um, so mm. I started to try some stylized things, things like, you know, Pixar or very hand painterly kind of creatures um, and starting to go into this very clay like medium as opposed to these very refined elements. And I think that's where I found a bit of a voice or a bit of a, a distinct style where it's a little bit, surrealist a little bit stylized very expressive it means you can really get into the nuances of what you're trying to create and you can emphasize them the way you can't with realism you know realism has to look right Uh, if it looks wrong even the tiniest bit it it feels wrong and you notice it as a viewer versus you know stylized stuff i get to 
it's kind of like a cartoonist in that way. You get to emphasize the flaws and there's character there. There's there's stuff that people can perceive and far more engage with, I find. Um, I think that's how I change or find mm. my voice and kind of stand out is finding something new to do with myself. No, no, I love that. I love that. Did you think that if someone were to see one of your creations, they'd say, oh, that's that's Michael Zaman's work? Hopefully soon, yes. Uh, yeah. And where do you showcase? Uh, I'm I know you have a, a team that you work with, but particularly doing your own uh, artistic and digital view, view of work. Where where do you showcase your work? Um, most artists I know, we all share our work on a website called artstation.com. And it's a wonderful place where anyone can share their work. Um, so you can find me there under Zam M90. And a little pause there. No worries. How did, uh, did you hear me? You're fine. I'm, I'm fine. But uh, I asked you, where do you showcase your work? Um, so I share my work over at artstation.com. Um, and it's a wonderful place with millions of artists over there. So you can find me under, I think it's Zam M90. Artstation, O-P? Artstation, A-R-T-S-T-A-T-I-O-N. Our station, and 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 that's sort of like a Spotify for artwork, uh, digital it, artwork. Exactly. Think of it as a wonderful uh, gallery of amazing talent from two D sort of painterly digital work all the way to real art. You know, real artists kind of I say the word real artists, more traditional artists oh, yeah. post their work <laughs> there, um, to, and then we do two D, three D. It's a wonderful almost gallery experience that you can kind of get lost in. Well, I may have to go get lost in that just because it sounds wonderful. Um, how, how do you commercialize some of your work? I mean, in other words, have people pay for it? Like so you can, your private work, your personal yes. work. Yes. Uh, we actually can sell your artwork via ArtStation as well. So you can sell prints, you can sell merchandise, you can kind of monetize, or you can do tutorials and you know sell your knowledge the same way you might sell oh. who you might sell a um so yeah, cool. it's a way to share uh, with a sort of more video form so i do a lot of this at work already but uh, it's a wonderful way to give back is to share your knowledge and hmm. make it not expensive for people the way that it can be for some oh yeah no i'm delighted to hear about this and i'm sure that those listening and my vast audience will will, will be happy to hear that there's a while there are digital um enabled artists is also a marketplace uh some free and some you know for sale uh and and i think people uh, i think that we we're developing uh <laughs> i'm not sure about the brain but i think it's evolving into something that wants an awful lot of information to come quickly in, in visually and in, in auditorily and that the patience with a reading with reading, which is not good work, good news for us book authors, even though our digital book, thanks to Theo has uh, links to videos and uh, to some of our papers and so forth. So you get a lot more in the book by clicking it in, in each of the chapters, but back to you, uh, the, uh, have you have you I know you're watching the marketplace and the and the trends and what will capture people's attention and hold it long enough for them to get what you want them to get and also perhaps 
uh, commercially pay you for what you have. What's the trend that you, you've been witnessing and living? Oh, it's quite stylized media. People are very interested in things, alternative media. They love things that are familiar to them. So we're talking, you know, Superman or, you know, taking these kind of concepts, but pushing them further than they have gone before. So a lot of it, I've seen alternative posters, for, you know, movie posters and um, creating figurines actually do a lot of 3D sculpting and printing of models. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's just a wonderful little area to make, but also to share with people, you know, um, creating custom things for people, um, whether it's, you know, a unique uh, model or even a ring. I actually made Anna, my wife, a custom silver ring for our wedding that says, I solemnly swear to get up to no good with you. Just looping around <laughs> a little, um, a little Deathly Hallows symbol just, just for her. But, you know, it's, I find doing little things like that is a way to show affection and um, caring more so than perhaps buying something off the shelf. I like to create custom things for people, whether it's animated uh, books or anything like that, really. No, I, I think that that's, that's terrific. And I'm, I'm, I hung out in a business school for a lot of years teaching in the business school. And I, I, I also always run a, a second tape in my head when I'm speaking to a really fine and creative person like, okay, that's great, but how can you monetize it? And then I, that, then I say to that voice, shut the hell up for a few minutes. And, and, <laughs> and let's just believe that we can put good into the world. And if it money comes, it does. But it, it, in other words, I, I don't want the money making to stop me. Uh, uh, and yet I know that, Things cost a lot, but the good from this good news here in in that uh, yes, you might have to have a relatively powerful computer or access to a, but but you don't have the huge overhead uh, that some people would have. You know, I have to have a studio. I have to have all this. You know, and mm. and uh, so uh, it does give a lot of us. And I've been doing this work for four years from my office in a little part of Connecticut. Uh, thanks to Zoom. And uh, so we're free. Uh, but again, there's an ocean of others who are also free in either blogging or doing uh, different kinds of art. I, I want to get to the one, though, I think I heard correctly, because I think you said clay and and claymation. I, I know that may even be an old-fashioned term now, but I loved the um, series in um, Chicken Run. Yeah. Chicken Run. I so, I shared it with my classes and it had so many dimensions to it, but particularly uh, the chicken, and I can still see her with her little uh, wool cap, who uh, pined to escape, got under the fence, escaped, but then she felt like she had to bring the others with her. And you know, that's a, that's a good analogy for, for leadership. And then she came back on the fence, but then there was the one chicken who, who had a huge ass <laughs> and got stuck in the hole. And uh, the farmer came and found them and then they were incarcerated. <laughs> but the, the storytelling, and it was all done with clay. Is that something like you do? It's similar. Yes. Um, 3d for sure. Yeah, 3D for sure. And we use the same concepts. It's just instead of having to model a lot of uh, different models, 
we have the slightly more uh, unique way of being able to deform things on the fly. So I don't have to sculpt so much, but we take all the same concepts. I'll sculpt muscles, I'll sculpt poses. So they feel dynamic, just the same way a claymation artist would. And we take exactly the same principles and these principles come from animation as well. You know, hand-drawn, you know, Disney style, all the way to Jason and the Argonauts because I love claymation and, you know, all those old movies of giant creatures interacting with, you know, very, yeah. very tiny humans. Um, it's just a wonderful art form. It and is. But I'm you've so... evolved past that in a way then. It's just oh. saying, because it must have taken them like two years to create, well, certainly a feature, but anything, but just constantly moving the figures and then snapping a picture and then moving a picture. And that's a slow, a slow mation process. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. And that's part of the reason my medium even exists is to be more efficient out the way we tell stories. Um, it's to save time, but I don't think claymation still exists. The guys over at Leica do amazing, amazing work um, oh, yeah. with claymation feature films. Just beautiful. Same with the Ardman guys who did Wallace and Gromit and oh, so I many love, other uh, wonderful I, things. I love the, those characters. There was another one, uh, a, a, a set of short uh, films called Creatures. And, and, and it would be a, in a circus setting. And then there'd be... Uh, the claymation creatures would be saying things like, uh, I want to be a clown, but no one lets me be a clown. And it's an elephant talking, you know, <laughs> I'm funny. <laughs> but, and so I, I, I just love the way they could do that now. I, but this is about Michael Zaman, not, not by the, about um, the other group, but uh, could I have just a moment of a glimpse at what you would do? for a client uh, that they say, give me something really creative for what advertising purpose or whatever purpose, what would be an example of what they tend to ask for that would give you a nice challenge? Oof, a nice challenge. They come every day. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> well, this is blessed. only Monday, you know, so. <laughs> well, I'm very lucky to have clients that shoot for the moon and want different things and have different challenges. Uh, we had a TV show recently that wanted to go away from visual effects and wanted to do everything physically. Like if it was in the eighties and CG didn't really exist that much. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to take our medium, do it, understand it, make and use our tools to the better part of, creativity to give them the best kind of chasings, the best kind of storytelling elements. But then we had to reverse engineer all of our work to work for that kind of shooting style. So we had to think of the ways to make projection screens and how would you back project these tiny maquettes? You know, they'd really want to model these teeny tiny sets and film them with macro uh, lenses and then project them huge so they feel like a modern t storytelling kind of experience. But it's shot very much like you would shoot films in the 80s. Um, oh, yeah. And that was just an amazing you know, experience because we're all trying to take ourselves back to that time and then find a way to blend these two new mediums, use our tools for what they're really good at, speed and getting your creative thoughts out fast and quickly kind of 
it creates a great dialogue between us and the client. But then giving them that kind of the way they want to see it, if that makes sense. It's uh, it was a I think, wonderful I think I'm getting it. Yeah. In, in other words, there's a miniature aspect to it, and then you blow it out. Um, so you like a car chase or something like that. You can do it in. Yeah. Hmm. I just stuffed Steve McQueen into a teeny tiny Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. If you shot Steve McQueen's famous jump and then you have to have your characters real life in front of them, like how do you solve this teeny tiny set and then make it big and make it look great? Because, you know, modern audiences demand brilliance. They demand to be able to see oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. tree the, element and the way, the, not in a way that we did before. The younger generation uh the, we, we they started calling them a digital kids back in you know the when they were born in around 2000 or so but they they're so sophisticated particularly with the big games that they a lot of them play mm -hmm. that uh if the if your client cannot deliver something that blows their mind they go huh okay i don't know car chase so it, it, it again it keeps you stretching it keeps you growing and you're managing and relate and leading other people in these things. I think you, I'm running down on time, but I wanted to pick up another word. I loved it. I loved hearing. You said I'm I'm working in a hive. How, hive, how mind. Does, hive mind. How does that how does that come through to you in in operational terms? Um, often it means together we're far more brilliant than one of us alone and i often rely on my teams to help me either visualize or conceptualize something that i may be struggling with um i myself have only one experience many of us have many experiences and if we can tap into each other's skills to borrow knowledge to share that and kind of combine what we're thinking about I find often creates far better experiences or better tools or better anything uh, when we work together. So I tap into what we call the hive mind. You throw a question out, hey, does anyone have an idea how to do this? And you know, you get 10 completely different responses from 10 different people. And you find the elements that work and say, actually, that's brilliant. That's far better than what I was thinking. But what if we did this and this and this? And it's a way of taking these these little golden nuggets from everybody and kind of building a far greater element um, out of all of that. And I find people of by far the most creative and the most interesting things you can learn from because they have completely different experiences. Oh yeah. Uh, and and the, the asker in your case has to be somewhat humble, you know, to be open and to, to, to be surprised, pleasantly surprised, even stunned. Oh my God. You know, this person out of left field came up with that. And why didn't, you know, so you have to work a little bit on the humility on the one hand, on the other hand, you know, you're, you've got a brand, you've got to be out there in the world as maybe the, the in some instance, a figurehead for that, for the hive. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting challenge between, uh, keeping everyone feeling welcomely included at the same time, wanting to be somewhat exclusive in your, in regard to your own artistic, um, stature in the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's a, it's always a fine line, but, um, I think including people and in helping 
always creates help to create just a, a nicer experience in general. And I think those kind of teams always work better together. Um, yeah. My personal view, but. No, I get it. You know, Michelangelo got a lot of credit for a lot of things he did, but when I rem- what I remember a little bit of his history is he never worked alone. <laughs> never. <laughs> he always he had a hive around him back then. He just didn't know what to call it. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I would say that, you know, you've got the best blend from what I've learned so far, Michael. Uh, uh, a great enthusiasm for uh, creative outcomes. More and more to come more fascinating in six months from now than it will be tomorrow. Uh, what a way to live. Absolutely. It's a, it's a great time to be alive and be involved in some of this. Oh yeah. Growth. Well, I, I get, I will definitely thank Teo Ward Stigler for making you known to me and, and, helping me set up this moment because uh, I've had hundreds and hundreds of conversations now for the podcast and uh, boy you have definitely sparkled up uh, a whole new dimension to my quest to understand the nature of practice so thank you for that gift oh you're more than welcome thank you for having me Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and and one more thing. How could I forget? The book On Practice as a Way of Being is available now in digital form. Something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us. And it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you.